Swimming in the Sen again. That story and more on H2O Radio's weekly news report. I'm Jamie Sudlow. I'm Franny Halperin, and it's This Week in Water. The Marshall Fire that raged through the suburbs in the Denver-Boulder metro area of Colorado on December 30th was the most destructive wildfire in the state's history. Authorities said that almost 1,100 homes were destroyed and more damaged. One man was confirmed dead, and a missing woman is presumed to have died. Unlike the recent fires in California and Oregon that occurred in forested areas, the Marshall Fire was in grassland in the Wildland Urban Interface, or WUI. This type of fire will be more common as climate change dries up vegetation and suburbs continue to grow. According to a recent study by NOAA and the University of Colorado Boulder, between 1992 and 2015, 32 million new homes were built in the WUI. Jennifer Balsh, a fire scientist at the University of Colorado Boulder, told the Associated Press that temperatures in Colorado between June and December were the warmest on record, and grasses that had grown thick during a wet spring dried out and became fuel. Winds gusting up to 110 miles an hour spread the flames faster than firefighters could handle. She said that the homes in the Colorado fire were built with wood siding and asphalt roofing, flammable materials that need to be reconsidered. There were significant victories last year in the fight against climate change. People acted at a local level and won. In Memphis, Tennessee, a black majority neighborhood successfully fought the construction of an oil pipeline in what was hailed as a win for the city's drinking water and environmental justice. Fracking was banned in a huge part of the Delaware River Basin, and in California, the L.A. County supervisors voted to phase out existing oil and gas operations and prohibit new ones. Harvard University announced it would divest its $42 billion endowment from fossil fuels, a move that organizers had been working on for 10 years. Last year, shareholders of Exxon and Chevron took action to force the companies to cut emissions. A Dutch court ordered Shell to cut its emissions nearly in half by 2030, saying the oil giant is endangering human lives. And the Canadian company that proposed building the Keystone XL pipeline canceled the project after resistance from indigenous communities. A drilling project in the North Sea was placed on hold after Shell pulled out. The plans had been met with strong opposition from environmentalists who protested that the UK government should not be permitting new oil production in the same year it was hosting the COP26 climate summit. It's January, and for some, it's time to go about returning unwanted holiday gifts. If you're boxing up stuff to ship back, you're not alone. The Guardian reports that compared to Christmas last year, returns have surged up to 40%, and that can cost a retailer nearly two-thirds of a product's original price to transport and process. For many businesses, returns aren't worth the hassle to restock and resell. Companies often recycle items or give them to charities, but they also send about 6 billion pounds of returned inventory to landfills each year, where they can emit methane as they decompose or leach toxins into the surrounding soil and groundwater. When you consider the amount of resources, water, and energy it took to manufacture products, returns can have a significant environmental toll. Change might be coming by way of legislation. In the UK, people have called for an anti-waste law after Amazon employees alleged returns were being dumped into the trash. 
In France, companies must monitor what happens to unsold goods and are banned from destroying them. Other European countries are expected to follow suit. And finally, Paris will host the Summer Olympics in 2024, and a record will be set. For the first time since the French capital held the Games in 1900, swimming competition will take place in the River Seine, the famous waterway which flows past Notre Dame, the Louvre, and the Eiffel Tower. The Seine was declared biologically dead in the 1960s as runoff from industry and agriculture, as well as sewage, flowed into the river. Swimming had been banned since 1923. But in the 1980s, 80s, because of tighter regulations and better wastewater treatment, conditions started to improve, and now Paris has set an ambitious goal of having the river swimmable in time for the games. Accidental discharges from wastewater treatment facilities are happening more frequently because of extreme weather fueled by climate change. So the city is building a massive underground tank to collect stormwater before it can spill into the river. When the Olympics begin, the opening ceremony won't take place in a stadium as they typically do. Rather, a parade of boats carrying athletes will float down the Seine as spectators watch from the banks. After the games, officials plan to open the river to everyone. The trend to clean up waterways is happening in other European cities. The Thames in London has come back from the brink to welcome sharks, seals, and even seahorses. And activists in Berlin are working to bathe again in the river Spree. That's it for This Week in Water. Support comes from Right Water Engineers, providing water resource engineering in Colorado and beyond for more than 60 years. Projects, services, and resumes are online at rightwater.com.